From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 589, Windows Linux Subsystem, with guests Tara Raj and Sarah Cooley. Recorded Tuesday, May 8th, 2018. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. I'm here at Build in Seattle. Uh, second day, conference is going very well. Lots of keynotes, lots of cool conversation on. And I have the good fortune to be sitting with Tara Raj and Sarah Cooley. Uh, Tara is the program manager at Microsoft working on the Windows subsystem for Linux. And previously, she worked on the version one of the new tools for SQL Server on Linux, including SQL Operations Studio and the MS SQL Scripter CLI. Her passion for the command line in Linux has transferred over to her work here. And Sarah is a virtualization nerd and program manager on the Windows Core OS team. And right now, she'll be build developer tools for Windows 10. And when she isn't playing with computers, she likes climbing mountains with her cat. Traveling, teaching, crafting. Can you really get your cat to climb mountains? Yeah. That seems unlikely. Yep. Nope, he does. I have <laughs> pictures. <laughs> you have it's on evidence. the internet. It must be true. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, thanks so much for coming out. Uh, first thing in the morning on the second day. So, fair bit of chaos. Uh, we're right. We happen to be in the space directly adjacent, both Channel 9 and the keynote area. So, everybody's rushing around. But we get to talk early. Windows subsystem for Linux. That seems like an oxymoron. To have Windows and Linux in the same term. What are we talking about? What is this thing? Yeah, so basically the Windows subsystem for Linux is a command line tool that you can use to get native Linux binaries. So imagine getting APT right off your command line. Okay. And the best part about this is it's on top of Windows. So you don't actually need to set up a virtual machine or run parallels. Right, so instead of setting up a VM to host a Linux instance... You literally have what looks like a command line window, but it happens to you're using Linux commands instead of instead of DOS commands or Windows commands. Exactly, and you get your basic Linux toolset. So, for example, if you want to use Python or Ruby or a type of language that was originally created in a Linux environment, right. but had been ported to Windows, it might not work as expected. So, okay. in this environment, you can use that native Linux toolset. So is that command line window then a copy of Linux of some kind? Like, what? how is this possible? Yeah, more or less. So what we've actually done is we've created a paired kernel driver and some help, helper user user mode functions. Okay. So what's happening is we're taking what's essentially your Linux container image, so an Ubuntu container image, mm-hmm. and rather than running all of that through containerization or virtualization, we're taking those syscalls, we're intercepting them and translating them into syscalls that the Windows NT kernel understands. So you're using NTFS under the hood, and you're using the Windows NT kernel, right. but we're taking all of those system calls and passing them through the subsystem. Um, for people who have been around a long time or are OS nerds, um, Windows NT has actually had a POSIX subsystem um, included in it since sure. kind of the dawn of time. Yeah, yeah. We've done a, a, the, the subsystem we run now is actually not related to the original subsystem, but it works in much the same way. So what's changed is now Linux distributions have this handy little ball of like tarball of goo that is their entire user mode Mm -hmm. and that's a container image and that's what we unpack in order to basically get that whole 
user space that we then run on top of the subsystem. So with the POSIX subsystem, you had to recompile. Now you don't need to recompile. We pick up an actual container image from the distribution. So Canonical produces the Ubuntu right. WSL instance. Debian produces the Debian instance, Red Hat. We're working with Red Hat, but you know, <laughs> if we had Red Hat on WSL right now, it would be coming from Red Hat. So, so as part so of standing up WSL in the first place is you specify an image that you want to work from? Yeah. So you install WSL in two parts. The first one is an optional feature built into the Windows operating system. Right. So you go through, enable optional feature, and there's a role called the Windows subsystem for Linux. That gives you the kernel mode component and some helper tools. The second step is you go to the Windows Store, um, and Tara's done a ton of work here, so this is kind of her, her jam. But uh, the second step is you go into the Windows Store, and we have an entire section that's named Linux. Right. And you can be like, get the apps, and you have this nice list of Linux distributions that you can run on WSL. Right now, it includes Ubuntu, Debian, SUSE, Celeste, so the, the enterprise version of SUSE, mm-hmm. and Kali Linux. Yep, yep, that's the set so far, and we're working on expanding that as well. So we actually recently open-sourced a tool where you can take basically what Sarah's talking about, this tarball, that user mode version of your favorite flavor of Linux, and package that as an app that you can use on WSL. So we have a way in which you can basically sideload your favorite distribution, and We know that people who use Linux really love specific distributions that they use. Yeah, they're very caught with a particular one. Exactly. So we want you to be able to use what you're most excited about and what you're comfortable with in that tool set. And in addition to being able to use this tool to sideload your favorite Linux distro, distro maintainers and owners can also submit what they have to the Windows Store. Interesting. So you can actually push stuff back up. Yep. So exactly. I'm thinking through a listener here who's running primarily Windows, but has some folks who want Linux instances mm-hmm. for various reasons. And typically, you would just stand up a VM for them. That, yep. You know, in mm-hmm. Hyper-V, I'd make that separate VM. Mm-hmm. This is, why is this better? Like, I'm not going to say that it isn't, because it sounds very cool. But <laughs> So this is complimentary. It's actually, I, I, as somebody who works on both of these technologies sure, right. on the same you team. You are the virtualization nerd. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, my team works on, so we actually have a Linux on Windows dev team. So everything that is virtual machines, containers, or WSL, it's all kind of the same dev team. Right. Um, but to me, the value in WSL is you have an integrated toolkit, and the value in virtual machines is you have a specifically non-integrated yeah, toolkit. Yeah, that, that isolation yes. is important to you, yeah. then great. Here, you're totally standalone. Exactly. Yeah, the isolation, the portability, the ability to share a VM, and really keeping like keeping your things in different boxes. Right. So with a VM, kind of the goal is separation, and the goal is security, and the mm-hmm. goal is portability and savability, like checkpoints, stuff right. like that. WSL is all all mixed together with your Windows processes. So the type of thing that you can do with WSL that you can't do with a VM, mm-hmm. you could run WSL and a single command like grep. Right. Um, and then you'd be right back in your PowerShell prompt. So you can actually use grep to manipulate data streams coming from Windows. Nice. So if I wanted to, I could run something like get computer info. And if I happen to be more comfortable with grep than fine string, I could pipe that into grep and search for CPU info or what have you. My favorite is you get, get VM, you know, I can search through get VM. Um, you can search through text files. So if you want to have a, a log in Windows that you've converted to text and you want to be able to take like the tail, so you want to run tail because you're more familiar with tail, you can do right. that. So for me, it's more about having the tools you're comfortable with on Windows mm-hmm. and much less about being able to run workloads. So use a VM to run workloads, use a VM for savable, portable, 
um, isolated, secure environment. And if you want to try running a build script that maybe a Linux savvy sysadmin has written, you can run that with WSL. It should work great. All of the tools are available, but you don't have isolation, portability, or security. Okay. And I think that's really great thinking, just that point of view of, I'm building these pipelines of execution and yeah. I, and I, you run into something where the best way to do this was some kind of Linux command, which you really appreciated and you couldn't do that in a windows yeah. pipeline. I mean, to me, to me, the goal of WSL, like if I had that like Uber goal to me, it's the frustrating moment when you're reading documentation on the internet and it's written in a Linux forward way and right. you might be able to do it on windows, but then you have to spend more time trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. And if you run into issues, you don't have support. Right. So for me, the epitome of WSL is if you're on the internet, you find something you think is cool, you want to try the self-host instructions, it's written in a Linux forward way, you can. Right. And that works on Windows without having to take on the weight of a VM and without having to like merge environments or well, and then, file yeah, share. Yeah, all of that whatever. file sharing tricks and all those things to, to defeat the isolation. Yeah. Of the virtualization. Exactly, exactly. We see people working around the isolation of a virtual machine so often. And really quickly, because people get this from me all the time, mm-hmm. I say it's not, you know, I just said you're you're abandoning the security of the VM. When I say that, I mean the trust boundary of the virtual machine versus the host. Right. Not security as an abstract, like, WSL is secure. You have sudo. You have yeah. all of your Linux security constructs and also respects all of your Windows file ACLs. Right. So... When We're I say that, yeah, no, you're not bypassing anything. I just always have to clarify because security to me is a virtual machine promise, not a well, and also an intrinsic <laughs> thing in Linux, right? Like you, yeah. you would have to do something really rude to Linux yeah. to defeat its na- its natural you are in user mode yep. mindset. In fact, I would say the one thing Linux for me always did better than Windows was sudo. Uh, was this I I, you know we're fighting <laughs> tooth and nail to get our sysadmins to live in domain accounts mm-hmm. and only elevate to administrator to do a particular task that was trivial in Linux that yeah. you almost didn't have a choice you yep. sudoed up the privileges you did yep. your couple of commands and you were back down again yeah sudo bang bang rerun the last command of sudo it's exactly. probably one of my exactly. favorite commands <laughs> so our team actually owns the console as well okay so WSL the console that it runs in Mm-hmm. is Conhost, which okay. runs the consoles on Windows. And so given that, we've gotten a lot of asks to have sudo on the console. Yeah, yeah. And so WSL also plays really well with the console in addition to our virtualization tools. Mm-hmm. So we want developers to think of this as a general toolkit, where sometimes you might want that Windows console environment, and other times then you want the Linux side of things. Right. And so that goes along with sudo. I mean, we also now have some new inbox tools. We have tar and curl in Windows. So you'll see these in the near future start to play really well together. And we want to make sure we're giving developers that toolkit where you have the choice of what you want to use in which environment. And you can essentially pick what is your personal preference and roll with it. And SSH. Yes. And OpenSSH is now inbox. Yeah, which is awesome. But when I, so what I hear you saying is I'm not crazy for wishing I could pseudo to a sysadmin account. <laughs> You're not crazy not for wishing you could, <laughs> but yeah. you can't yet. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yet. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Tara. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not making any promises here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one could speculate. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's... It's not unreasonable to ask. It's yeah. just an interesting idea. You know, mm-hmm. we've already, you're already talking about this idea of I'm writing PowerShell and mm-hmm. then I jump over to a Linux-based command. Yeah. So the idea that I would use Linux to manipulate my security privileges and run PowerShell commands, 
Yeah. That sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah. Like, and right now, the way that it works is you have to do both. This is going to sound really, really screwy. So I apologize in advance for the confusing layers of abstraction here. Mm-hmm. So you do have both administrator in Windows and also sudo in Linux. So if you're right. manipulating something like bin, Etsy, et cetera, like if you want to run apt-get, you will need to sudo to run apt-get. Right. But that doesn't give WSL permissions to modify things that are administrator on Windows. So your Windows ACLs are still respected. Right. So you do need to... What is the privilege level that you're running in from a Windows perspective when you've... Standard user. Okay. So, so you're ne- running as a standard user. You're never user. changing no. that, actually. No. So you're never changing that. So you can run things in app-like fashion, and everything you run in Linux kind of runs in its own little microchasm in user space. Mm-hmm. So you can install things in Linux, and it's basically treated like an expanding app package. Right. However, if you want to be able to run things that are that require system on Windows, right. you will need to run that elevated. So then you have so now you're sudo and Linux and you're elevated in PowerShell or right. command line or whatever. But are you able to elevate or are you, is the Not starting of WSL yep. is starting with a higher privilege? Yeah, you'd have to start WSL with a higher privilege right. to do okay. that. Yeah, no. So and these are the type of things we could enable, but genuinely, I don't know if we want to. Because yeah, no, the idea debate. of letting, And I, I got to say for the listener. Yeah. I don't usually get an opportunity to record in person. The way you're smiling, Sarah, just tells <laughs> yeah. me you guys have been talking about this a lot. Oh, like, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. a huge discussion. There are all sorts of... Well, I mean, you have an operating system running as an app. Like, yeah. there are all sorts of funky things we can do, and we're really not sure which ones of them are good ideas. Yeah, so you, we're you really sort of looking get into this feedback. wag the dog moment. It's yeah. like, I dropped into this other operating system, and then it passed a command back to me yeah. that changes my behavior for yeah. how it will run. CHMOD, CHOWN, like all of oh. those file manipulation type metadata tasks have been really interesting because if you're running in the context of Linux, we're pretty sure that we should let you have all of those things. Sure, like you want your but SSH. But how do those propagate when the AWSL window closes? Bingo. So <laughs> the way that we share data right now is actually your entire Windows user space is in Mount C. So if you're running in Linux and you LS root, yeah. you're going to see Etsy bin bash home mount, etc. Um, your Windows file directory and file path is in Mount C. Mm-hmm. We make it really hard to find your Linux home from Windows, and we kind of recommend that you keep data Don't. on the Windows side, yeah. so it's in Mount C. But we don't listen to your file permissions. Like chmod doesn't do anything in right. Mount C. Right. So if you're running in your Windows directories, we right now don't do. We do minimal permission handling. We kind of try best guess to match your Windows ACLs. Mm-hmm. But if you're running in anything that's your Linux app area, you can, you know, chmod chown do yep. whatever and you want to do. Part of the reason for that is the difference in metadata between mm-hmm. the Windows and the Linux files. So sure. there is a risk of metadata loss and we're working on, you know, bridging the gap between those two sides. And one thing that we've recently released is the fact that you can see if files are case sensitive. Interesting, and right? So you can have a Linux file with lowercase name versus uppercase name, name, and now you can actually see the difference between those two file sets. Yeah, you know, you forget, but these were fundamental differences in operating systems from decades yeah. ago. Let's talk about slash yeah. directions for a second. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a tool for that now. Line endings? Are we allowed yep. to talk about line endings? <laughs> By the time this is released, I think we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. There we go. Notepad now supports Linux-style yep. line endings. Wow. So that's actually being announced in a about 30 minutes, so you heard it here <laughs> first. Heard it <laughs> We're about publishing for a couple of weeks, yeah. so that's okay. So that's yeah. actually, that's a big win yeah. for our team that Notepad 
um, really hadn't had many improvements in the past, you know, 10 years or so. And so... That's because it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I heard notepad and perfect. With so many people <laughs> using WSL now, yeah. there have been a lot of complaints and asks line endings. Yeah. about yeah. those line endings. Yeah. And so we said, you know what? Let's go make this happen. Sure. And so you'll You've, see it in the you keynote. You submitted a request for a change to Notepad. <laughs> These things, I, I mean, throw a party. I think that's kind I mean, of special. Notepad is one of the most used apps on Windows. Without a it's, doubt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, I mean, and they are busy completely overhauling the console right now too. So, yep. alongside all of these changes with like the tool sets available in the console, and I get really excited about WSL and its capabilities. But they also are busy working on like true. I know we're talking about VT100 support in 2018, wow. but like, yeah. So along with the WSL improvements and things in virtualization, the console is a 35-year-old application. Yeah, we have developers on our team who are younger than the code that they're looking at. I love it. So it's pretty hilarious, but in some ways that there's this architecture overhaul that we need to go and do. Sure. And many people have had their hands on this code over time, so it's all over the place. So right now, really what's going on is a modularization of the code. Right. And then the next step is introducing things like Sarah mentioned, VT sequence support. Mm -hmm. We have now 24-bit color. We're working on things like UTF-8 support. Yeah. So all of this... Help in internationalization. Exactly. So just getting the console to be on parity with what people expect. Yeah. And then we can go and add some really cool things. So that's what we're looking for in the horizon in the next couple of years is really being able to overhaul the console and things like WSL will improve along with that. Awesome. Tara and Sarah, give me one moment here for this very important message. This episode of Run As Radio is brought to you by SQL Intersection. Eight full-day workshops and over 40 technology-focused sessions make SQL Intersection a unique source of the best information around SQL Server from real-world consultants and the members of the SQL Server team. You'll learn proven problem-solving techniques and technologies you can implement immediately, as well as learn about the future of SQL Server. Get answers to performance monitoring, troubleshooting, designing for scale and performance cloud, as well as new features in the latest version of SQL Server. It's time to determine your migration strategy, and SQL Intersection is the place to figure out the best way to do it. Come to SQL Intersection at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas, December 3rd to 6th. Use the code RUNAS to get your discount on your registration at thesqlintersection.com. And I'll see you there. And we're back. Richard Campbell here at Build. You're listening to RUNAS Radio, talking to Sarah Cooley and Tara Raj. And we were talking about this in the first half, but there was just sort of an interesting moment where you realized, yeah, this is an operating system calling to another operating system. Mm-hmm. And what are the appropriate security boundaries, especially when yeah. you're both looking at the same file system? Yep. Like the fact that I could chmod privileges that affect my behavior in WSL, mm-hmm. but probably shouldn't affect behavior in Windows. A, for in sure. Windows. Yeah. I mean, it's not that unusual thing. You think about what a BIOS actually is, is, is a mini operating system, especially when you get to UFI for starting another operating system. But by the same token, you tend not to want to wag back to UFI for the same reasons. Like, you guys must be having all of these debates. So, fun fact. So, well, WSL operates in the user space, so we don't actually have any uh, firmware or, like, there's no virtualized hardware associated right. with WSL. It's all user space. Uh, really fun tidbit, because you mentioned BIOS and UFI. Yeah. One of the biggest headaches that we have with virtual machines right now is, um, so, 
we created virtual machines in Hyper-V. Hyper-V really is a hardware emulator. So yeah. you have all of your virtualized hardware. You have motherboards, you have switches, yeah. you have hard drives, etc. And we've tried to historically treat them very much like the hardware they represent. So mm-hmm. you create a switch, you connect it to a VM. VMs are actually a file that's a motherboard that connects to a VHD and various other things. Right. Nobody treats them that way. No. Turns out people treat VMs as being the virtual hard drive. So yeah. people have a tendency of mixing and matching and moving around just the VHD without taking the rest of the virtual machine with it. Which in the end, the rest of the virtual machine is literally just a set of instructions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is. Like, it's all fake hardware, but yeah. it's still, like, tied together in well, the way and, that you'd, your OS And there OS are things expects. inside that OS yeah. that it expects to be there when they're not is very unhappy. Yeah, so it turns out Windows does a pretty good job, and we've worked through this, so this is, this is a thing of the recent past. But Windows does a pretty good job... Um, allowing you to pull the hard drive, put it in what essentially is a different fake computer. Right. Um, Linux, actually, if you're running a Eufy-supported Linux distribution, mm-hmm. they write grub to the Eufy variables. So if you pull up, pull out the VHD, grub goes away, which is a bootloader in right. Linux, by the way. So that's been a big pain for us where we'll find people who took their VHD running Linux, moved it to a different machine, and now grub's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. What, yeah, happened? I mean, what happened? <laughs> oh, it wrote to Eufy. <laughs> and now Eufy's gone because you pulled your hardware, hard drive. Right. The thing here is that we have to remind people that this is a command line environment, and yeah. so you need to be responsible with it. Yeah, no. It yeah. works as you would expect it to work. So if you're running pseudo commands, yeah, be careful. You have all that power. Yeah. And then you do exactly. get into these philosophical differences yeah. between the operating systems. Yep. Which is why we have actually, oddly, this is why we have multiple Linux flavors that you can run because right. people yep. do have philosophical differences between yeah. the different Linux distros. And you can actually yeah. run them side by side as well. So if you want to have OpenSUSE next to Ubuntu, Go for it. Absolutely. Working against the same file system effectively. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to run Kali Linux, you can run Kali exe command. You know, Mm -hmm. you can run Ubuntu exe command if you want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And like a little bit of history here, this product started as Bash on Windows. Right. And so this was announced almost exactly two years ago Mm -hmm. at Build in 2016. yeah. Yeah. And so since then, the name has changed because it's not just the Bash shell. Sure. And it was originally presented two years ago as this is a tool for web devs that want to do some bash stuff for how they're setting up their, their websites and, and tooling around that to, to now come into WSL. This is much more of an IT mindset of how I do my commands and how I actually inform and organize my machines. Yeah. And yeah. it is still a tool for web devs, but as you mentioned, it has evolved over time. Sure. It's added but, a lot of capability. Clearly. Yeah, we have a lot of companies that are now with developers using WSL. So mm-hmm. let's say, you're sitting at your company, you get a Windows machine, and that's what you're told to use, but you're used to Linux tools, or you need specific libraries that potentially are not supported in Windows. Then you can go ahead and install WSL, get your favorite distro, and develop with that tool set, essentially. And is Win 10 only? Can I yeah. run on Server yes. 2016? It is on Server 2016, yes. Okay. Um, I have to think about it, because on one... yeah. Due to the the speed at which things in WSL have changed, it's always hard for me to remember which version was which. It's definitely in server 19. Right. So absolutely, for sure, it's in server 2019, and it's in 1709 update, that update. I, I would need yeah, to double-check on server 16. Yeah, I think the original batch 16. one was 1607. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so it's a couple numbers. iterations. Yeah, yeah I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've now exposed inter- old numbers. Yeah, <laughs> it's very interesting to try and decide... What's your baseline Win 10 instances anymore? Oh, my God. Yeah, right? yeah. no, absolutely. There's just been so many. Yeah. And you know, so, what can you actually count on? Everybody should have at least right. you know, 1607 and, or 1711. Yeah, Sarah mentioned that 
WSL has moved very quickly. So the distros in the store was something that came out just right. in Fall Creators Update right. a while back. So before then, there was different installation mechanisms. So we're seeing people upgrading to the store version of WSL right. distributions. And we now have it available in servers. So there are many things happening in this space and yeah. we're running with it as quickly as we can and yeah before we leave the topic of web devs versus it it pro sure. and other audiences so while wsl has evolved i really should call out some of the caveats again mm-hmm. um because this is running as is user and because this is really the user space of wsl and we are or the user space of a linux distribution and we are taking a pile of syscalls and translating them into our best guess effort right windows syscalls um, there are a large number of hardware manipulation tasks that are difficult to do from Linux. So if you want to mess with your network driver, right. Linux isn't actually aware of your network driver. Like it's sending a pile of syscalls down into Windows and we may or may not handle them correctly. So right now we don't really let you do hardware manipulation. You have some basic networking things. So some networking tools like if config or IP config, I can never remember which one's where. Right. But if config runs and in various other, like you can w get and curl and things. But on the other hand, things like Wireshark or network anal- analysis tools might not run. Right. Um, if you want to do things that are very promiscuous. So Cal- Kali Linux specifically is designed for pen testing and security, like capture the flag type type things. Right. There are a lot of things that WSL doesn't support in that domain right now because mm-hmm. we don't want you to be able to compromise your hardware from, right. you know, a Linux yeah, distro that, running on Windows. Yeah. They, so, right. Even hacking from a typical VM is kind of weird for that yeah. same reason because they're yeah. all artificial hardware. Yeah. And so, just, they behave differently. Yeah. So, like, if you're running WSL and you run ScreenFetch and it's listing out all of your system info, you're going to have this funny moment where you look at the kernel and it's like Linux 4.04 Microsoft. You know, you I know, mean... Like, yeah, what? exactly. Yeah, because it's going through our kernel driver. Of course. But there are a number of things, especially when you start looking at the IT Pro domain and you look at like hardware manipulation, certain types of security and networking type of functionality that just isn't there because we see this as being more of a runtime for right. user. Well, and even mentioning running it from running on a server at all. It's like you yeah. said right off the bat, this is not for workloads. Yeah. This yeah. is yeah. you want to get clever with scripting. It just speaks to me as we start thinking about like a CI, CD type pipeline mm-hmm. or those kinds of fast yeah. executions. Am I able to, as part of a script, light up an instance of WSL, do a couple of things, yeah. get that result, continue down the pipe yeah, if, series of executions? If you're running in a world where people use Jenkins for CI, CD, and you sure. just want to be able to pick up a script that runs well in Linux, yeah. you want to be able to kick off CI, CD type things yeah. to kick it off and to run those scripts. Like if you want Ruby or... You know, if you're running Chef and you want Chef or Puppet to run on the WSL side, no party problem. on. Yeah, yeah. If you actually want to use WSL as being your primary primary container runtime, it kind of works, but really run do- like run Docker on Windows. Yeah, that's what it's for. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to run KVM, just run Hyper-V. Like yeah. if you're going to run a Windows machine and you're wor- running server workloads, like for the actual workload. You want those VMs. I would, I would recommend using the, the Windows Or you're tools. doing a traditional... Con- yeah. You're doing... Uh, did I actually about to say traditional, traditional container, container. load? traditional container. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Am I there? Containers okay. haven't been around that yeah, long. Okay. No, not that traditional, no yeah. <laughs> However, now I suddenly back up and say, yeah. okay, well, you were already there. You were running some VMs of, yeah. of Linux, or you were running a, 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 a Kubernetes array or any of those sorts of things. Yeah. 
and you're trying to build that pipeline and mm-hmm. you got into this convolution stage yeah. where you're starting to stand up Linux VMs for certain parts of the execution to build that production environment. No, you don't. And this is where WSL really shines. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. ah, these moments of Linux we're going to need to do that properly are better served by WSL. Exactly. And you can have a mix of Windows and Linux things in there. So one of the tightest integrations that we have right now is in Visual Studio Code. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to debug a node application, we actually have built-in support to be able to do that with WSL. So you can actually, let's say, for example, you have a Linux VM running in Azure, Mm -hmm. and you want to test your application against the Linux version of Node, you can use VS Code and the debugger to actually do that. And you target WSL, which is the way in which you can target your Linux instance. Absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. it's very cool. And, and I'd love to see that stable chain. I mean, it's going to be a little, nah, it was always a little weird where you're going to have a little Windows popping up doing yeah. the thing and phone away again. But we've often done that. It's not yeah. that odd. And for the record, we do want a lot of feedback here because especially as people start doing things outside of the web dev, purely developer sure. using WSL as a runtime type of things. Yeah. As people reach out into the world of doing more, um, CICD type things more and you know, just different things even yeah. ML even if even as we're moving from like node to Python or what have you right. like we keep getting different requests different things work or don't work send us information like if something was weird like in the CICD example sometimes it gets really weird when you're trying to do something that's looking for permissions on Linux but it's running against Windows which doesn't necessarily always listen to the Linux permission set sure. so every now and then people do get into very weird states with like file permissions and metadata and we're really interested to see who's running what where why how yeah I gotta think it's interesting for you yeah. when a new workload shows up absolutely like you, you and, guys have yeah. done the web dev story a bunch but yeah. if you're starting to see a lot of Python traffic around some data science yeah. work going on that that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's good news. It is cool. And all of the feedback's interesting. And, you know, we just get, like, as different customer segments start using this thing, we start getting different customer data, right. you know, based on that. And I'm really especially interested in, like, there's a lot more we can do that we don't do because we don't know the right way to implement it. So mm-hmm. as we start seeing more people use WSL for different kinds of tasks, I want to see if the things that you want Linux to be able to control change. Right. Yeah, and no, our I think team, an exciting time. we do a lot of prototyping and we get a lot of our feedback from insiders builds. Okay. And so that's the best time mm-hmm. to give us feedback yeah. is through the insiders program. And Sarah and I love to plug for it. So... That, Sign up I to think, Windows Insiders. If yes, you're winning, please yeah. do. It's not just about new versions of Win 10. <laughs> yes, the semi-annual exactly. server release channel, Windows Insider program. We yeah. really do use that data. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome stuff. Well, Taryn and Sarah, thank you so much for coming to talk to me. This is really cool. You really has come a long way from Bash two years ago. Yeah, we are really excited about it. And, and you still feel future. like you're moving super fast Oh, on absolutely. This. So, yeah. I mean, one of the, 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 the challenge when you're a Windows Insider trying to influence Windows... Like the the pipe's pretty long. Like if you could you could have a good idea that got strong reaction, but it takes you a year to see it. I suspect if someone with a cool workload mm-hmm. who really saw a good piece for WSL and just needed this thing would see it pretty fast. Oh yeah, yeah. We ship weekly. Nice, <laughs> uh, Sarah Cooley, Tara Raj. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Runass Radio. Mm-hmm.